That's why little disciplines like truly giving thanks on the bottom of your heart for ordinary food, you must practice it. That is why if you travel with a very good car on a very safe road and a very good road for that matter, when you get to your house, you bow your head for a moment and say, Father, I want to thank you for a safe journey. Even though the car was very good, even though the driver an expert, even though the road has good speed control, no potholes, and you did the journey for only 25 minutes, you don't open your mouth and say, that is why it's good to have democracy. Democracy will clean the road. Look at it now, security everywhere. God will say, that's the way you like it. Or I'll just withdraw my presence for 10 minutes. You now realize that democracy and democracy are similar. That's why madmen will show up from the bush. You won't know where they came from. They will destroy your car, beat you, black and blue, then leave you for dead on the road. Next time you see any journey, 10 minutes journey, you bow your head and say, Father, we thank you. With that kind of regular attitude, a day will come you have a bad car, bad driver, on safe road. Having been like that all these years, you will say, Father, we commit this journey into your hands. You are the God of safety. You invoke his name upon that journey. When the journey takes off, you know what God will do? You will tell one agent to blow on your face. You will fall asleep. They will have all the bumps in the road, you'll be dreaming of heaven. Then when you get home, Father has come back from the car. Ah, my back. You come out, you stretch. Father will give you praise. You will think it's the same smooth road you drove. Why? Because you, up to that time, you had been living a life of thanksgiving and acknowledging that your circumstances are not natural. Many of us want to live with natural circumstances in the time of peace. Then get the time of trouble, live with supernatural circumstances. But it does not work like that. It doesn't work. So, this is what I'm making. We believers, we are not natural people. Let's bear that in mind. We have to realize that God has called us for a particular purpose, a special purpose. And this is in all ramifications of our lives. We exist for a special purpose. Every ramification of our lives. I made a statement earlier. Let me make it again. God created us to affect even the nation we live in. Any nation you are living in, God created you to affect it. The power that God will release onto this earth will come through his people. I made a, made a statement earlier. If God finds people who are more committed, who have more faith, are you, I hope you get my point, who have more, that is, they are ready to give their lives up for what they believe. And his own people are so busy looking for how to hide. Look at, looking for how to be protected, how to preserve their lives. God will say, even though my desire is to have my presence fill this place through my people, as things are right now, it will be unjust of me to let them have it. Because their neighbors are more righteous than them. Jesus said something. You want to enter the kingdom? Say your righteousness has to surpass that of the Pharisees. What the grace of Jesus does for us is not to just give us what we don't deserve. That's what we keep on thinking about. No, what he does is to give us the power to do that which is right. Beyond that which you have the ability to do. I hope you're getting my point here. No matter how much God loves a man who's an adulterer and who cannot tell the truth, and he has blessed him with long life, the man will still die early. But when he finds the promises of God, God said, listen, this is what you do. You take that spirit of Christ I put in you to cleanse yourself of all defilement of flesh and of spirit. You perfect holiness in my fear. That way the promise I gave concerning your long life, it will come to pass. So what is special about Christianity? The power to do has been given to us. Paul said, you know, we like to say it, you know, like, ah, grace is not fair, grace is not fair. But you know what Paul said? He said, by the grace of God, I am what I am. He said, and his grace walking towards me did not prove in. What did he produce? I labored more than them all. It was not as if, oh, because grace was walking, I was sleeping. Nonsense. Oh, no, grace was walking, so I didn't have to do anything. No. Grace gave me the power to labor more than them all. But in the midst of laboring more than them all, grace amplified the work that I was doing. 
That's what grace does. But Christians want to use grace to live in immorality and still be blessed. I came to tell you today, God said no. In fact, from now, I will judge those who try it. He said something to Jeremiah. He said, let me tell you something. Before you were born, I knew you. Before you were from the mother's womb, I consecrated you a prophet of the nations. He said, now you are going to go everywhere I tell you to go. They are fearful men, you will prophesy against them. He said, they will try to scare you now, let me warn you. He said, I have put my words in your mouth. I have made your face stronger than their own. If you turn back from before them, I will disgrace you before them. He warned Jeremiah. He did not give him the grace to use when he liked it. He gave him the grace that no matter how dangerous they are, you will prophesy. He said to Jeremiah, whatever what they look like, don't turn your back on them. Because if they have any hope now, it's in your mouth. Jeremiah prophesied, they will beat him. Jeremiah will prophesy, they will throw him into a dungeon. He will come out there from there again prophesying. At the point in time, he said, the word has now become, you know, issue to me, you know. It has become derision. When people see me, they don't like me anymore. So I said, I will not talk again. God said, you are joking. So when I lie down, I start busting. I feel the pressure inside me as if I want to bust. Then I will come out again. He called it like fire, shot up in my bones. Then I will come out again and start prophesying. That's what grace does. Grace makes you stand. And they say there's kidnapping. Say, let them come and kidnap me first. <laughs> but the work that God has given me to do, I will do it. Isn't that grace? Says, Let's be wise. Though. You know this country is dangerous. Grace doesn't say that. Paul said, the grace working towards me did not prove it. How did you know it didn't prove it? Say, I labored more than them all. He said, but it was not I. It was the grace of God working with me you were saying. That is the man that's on drugs. When, when grace comes into his life, he, ordinary cigarette, he will not be able to smoke. That is what grace does. Even though he's on drugs, he was on drugs before now. When grace comes, grace will knock his ability. You're talking about heroin. I said, cigar, he will not be able to smoke it. They will give him coffee, he won't be able to drink. I'm not talking about heroin now or cocaine. Grace will so knock those ones out that even the small things that people will have said let's overlook is a small thing. Grace will not even allow him those little ones. Not to talk about the big ones. That is what grace does. It's when grace has poured such into the hearts of people that we start seeing the result of God's power working on our side. It is not when people who we say don't know the truth are willing to fight for the lie that they know. The way I'm looking for where to hide while we preserve the little prosperity that God has given us. And you think he'll give us the land? Impossible. His justice will not allow it. You know what God said to them? He said, listen, I've given you the land of the Amorites. I've given you the land of the Hittites. He said, now begin to contend with them in battle. Even though God gave it to them, he said, it will not fall on your lap. He said, begin to contend with them in battle. You will get up and say, now it is time to take the land of the Perizzites. You will call Joshua. He will call his men. They will arm themselves then they will move towards the battle, they will see giants. God said, if they turn back, I will disgrace them. God said, I have given you the land. Do you believe it? Yes. Show it. Move in and go and take it. One man said, he heard me preach. He said, until I said it, he never noticed it. That reading your Bible, none of those giants ever killed an Israelite. Every time they faced them, they went down. The only time Israelites died in battle, go and check it. When they were taking the promise. Now, when did they begin wrong? When they have sinned, the giants were not big enough. So that's the way it works. What grace does is to empower us, people of God. Grace empowers us to do right. Grace empowers us to live righteously. Grace empowers us to do that which is pleasing to God. Except, that's why we're doing all of this talk. We began that last time. Except we learn to do that which is right. The power of God in our lives will not be manifested. That's what I'm trying to explain. We said something the other time, the days of um, John the Baptist is marked by what? Repentance. We start aligning ourselves. You can see that written clearly in Isaiah chapter 40. Bring down the valleys and the, the mountains. Elevate the valleys. Make a smooth path for the Lord in the wilderness. It is only when we have done that 
that the glory of God begins to be revealed. It's only when we have done that. What I'm beginning to teach, alright, beginning from today, is to explain to believers that God is making a demand of us in this generation for a righteousness that surpasses that of the Pharisees. You can't do it except, first of all, you've died. You know what I said, died? So let me tell you what I mean by died. Let me explain what I'm saying. I'm asking you today, if you give your life to Christ, first, give up on your ambitions. Forget it. Forget that ambition. You are the youngest to achieve this. That's history. That is what? History. Moses achieved everything. God sent him into the wilderness and ruined his life there. Ruined his life there for him to be useful. You hear what I said? God first ruined his life so that he will be made useful. Forget your ambitions. Forget the dreams you have had. So, you know, some people actually have dream, dream wedding. In Jesus' name, cancel that dream wedding. Let me just tell you ahead of time, you're not going to have it. You ain't going to get it. So forget it. Stop praying about it. It's not worth writing on the wall. This one that you went to photograph uh, the Lady Diana's wedding gown, and it's on your wall. Common sense should have told you that it did not help Lady Diana. It didn't help her. When Lady D married, I was a little boy. She, when they married, around 1981. Yes. I was a little boy. I remember we watched it on NTA too. The whole world watched one boy marrying one girl. I look back now. I say, hi, how was it my business? Did he have anybody? One day I was in my office in Lagos. <laughs> one of my senior colleagues was looking for one bucket. He, brought, he used to bring something to work. So finally, we found the bucket and gave it to him. So we saw it printed on the body of the bucket, you know. One was a marriage souvenir. Big bucket like this. He required the bucket. He got hissed. Said the day we went to do this wedding. That's how all of them were carrying headgear, gilly, gilly. He said gilly everywhere. He said nonsense. The thing did not last. <laughs> Just carried. <laughs> he carried his bucket and left. <laughs> Let me tell you something. There are things that you are forbidden as the true child of God to be dreaming about. The kind of wedding you have. It's not necessary. God says it's not, it's not even a prayer point. Anyone you see, take. I'm not here to come and, you know, this Christianity is a serious matter. If you can't buy a new gown, wear old gown. <laughs> you can be laughing at me there. One of the things I regretted in my wedding was a new shoe I bought. It was a waste of my money. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Even the shirt, annoyingly, was not as fine as my old shirt. I said, who said I needed to buy a new one? I had some good quality white shirt for iron them, straighten them, but they said must be new that day. Rubbish. I wanted to prosper in life, so I need to tell you the truth. From today, I ban you from praying stupid prayers. Father God, in the name of Jesus, my honeymoon will be in, um, in Dubai. Obiagu, go there. How rubbish is all of these things? Are you praying prayers that will not contribute to your destiny? <laughs> my wedding ring must be 23 carat gold. My, 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 my engagement ring started with diamond. The gold that my wife used for wedding ring, she lost it after a while. We bought a 1,000 ring to replace it one time when she wanted to travel in a hurry. That one lasted at least two years. Who knew the difference? Oh, this one I must wear gold. It's poverty that's your problem. When rich people wear nonsense, you think it is gold. Yeah. <laughs> it's true now. <laughs> Relax your head. That's what, I keep on preaching to people. There are things you don't make prayer points to. No, my wedding day. I'm going to carry use a limousine. John Johnson bought a brand new Rolls Royce for his only daughter's wedding. He was worth almost a billion dollars at that time. They came out of from church. The car did not start. <laughs> Brand new Rolls Royce. Imported all... You know when Americans want to flinch, they use European cars. So as they went to Europe, collected a brand new Rolls Royce. They shipped it down for him. Drove it to the wedding. They get finished for wedding now. They start the motor. Boom! You know, grease start. One day my wife and I entered, <laughs> we went to Lagos. They couldn't, they couldn't carry us from airport. We entered the car. My wife said, what kind of car is this? I said, baby, this is what they call a Rolls Royce. So you now ask me, so what is special inside? Me and you, they inside. Now you're asking me. <laughs> what inside here? 
No, really, you don't blame her. She wanted to see whether we'll be floating inside. <laughs> I said, eh? So my wife said, So what is special inside this motor? I said, My sister, I don't know, but at least now we're inside Rose Rose. Let's just enjoy it while it lasts. After we've been escorted by mobile policemen every time. So yeah, more they go. I won't let any go. My kept mom was waiting again. Return to normal life. And I'm still the same. I've learned to abound. <laughs> so forget this your wedding plans, bros, sister. Is you any sisters that have those, those foolish plans? <laughs> those things will not carry you to your destiny. Serious man has come to marry you because of your foolish plans. You have missed him. Uh, you don't know what happens to people? Because in your mind, you know, it's deep inside your soul. Once the guy comes, he came with keke. You know, say, no man riding keke can afford your wedding. He said, I was praying. My spirit said no. Of course, your spirit said no. You think it's my spirit that said no? It's your spirit. But it's not the spirit of God. It's this worldly spirit you have imbibed. Serious men are chasing you. You are using the, the, the principles of this world to judge whether they are eligible or, or they are not eligible. And you want to enter into destiny. Listen, enough of stupid prayer points. Though. If you want to pray prayer points, now prayers, you will kneel down. Father, in the name of Jesus, every plan you had for my life, I must fulfill it. The man I will walk with into that plan is one I'm asking for. Not the one that can take care of me. You like a federal government road that needs maintenance. <laughs> Rubbish. Listen, we are the ones that God has placed in these lands everywhere to redeem the land. We are the ones that will end all this kidnapping, all these highway troubles with which we are vexed roundabout. We are the ones that will bring development to the nations that we are living in. And God says, listen, I need people who will take their Christianity seriously. People who live with eternity in their minds. Who know that one day they have to stand before me and come and give account of what they did with their lives. They are the ones I want. And what I'm bringing out to us today, I want us to understand something. God has given us promises. He said those promises, except I find people living like I'm trying to explain now, they will not manifest. You know, I was in the part, you know, I said we should put some at the beginning, right? Have we read it? I want to just compare two scriptures. First of all, let's read that Ephesians, uh, Ephesians chapter 2. We know them very well, but I want us to do some comparison. I'm so convinced about it. God said, thank you, people, they, they fool church, but they don't believe. The churches are full, but the people, are, they don't believe. They spend more energy, more prayer time, more offering effort. In trying to preserve their lives, they are not willing to give up their lives for my sake. They don't believe. They turn to federal government looking for help. Deliver us. Meanwhile, they don't believe. They're asking that Islam, Islam should not take over their land. They themselves, they are not committed to it. My friend is a pastor in the north. He says something. that they, Look, that's, if you see some of this Islamic commitment to what they call jihad, you'll be surprised. Not everybody will carry a knife and kill somebody. Say, but you go and rent a house. They hear you're a pastor. The man will say, I would rather the house be idle, not bringing me any rent, rather than give it to a pastor. That is my contribution to the jihad. That let me deny a pastor accommodation or a church a place to meet. That's my contribution. He's not shooting anybody. He will give you food. He will greet you. He said, no, 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 no. But use my property to preach another gospel, in quote. No. But it's not making you any money. He said it's contribution to jihad. That's why I don't understand pastors who are still preaching. Pastors, warn yourself. You are still using selfishness to get money out of people. It will soon dry up anyway. It will soon dry up. It will soon dry up. God will pour his spirit of despondency upon the people. They won't respond to you anymore. Because that preaching is amplifying the flesh. They are giving money so that God can give them more back. They don't love God. They don't love the advancement of the gospel. They don't love anybody. They don't love people. 
and the pastors preaching to them are just as guilty. I watch it on TV sometimes. I just get nauseated. When they start, I just put up the TV. There's some particular man, I quote him once in a while. Once he started, he said, uh, you know, give, 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 give $100, and God will give $10,000 in one week. The Lord, I just, you know, his face started annoying me. I just, I either mute the TV or quench it entirely. Like I told you, if you change the channel and watch Chinese film, it's better. Than see people, you know, encouraging us to trust in the flesh. Encouraging us. I said we should open somewhere, right? Ephesians chapter 2. I want to read something here. Just to see what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. He said from verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the ages to come we might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now let me stop reading here. Now what do we see here? The fact that God's mercy did some things for us. What I want to bring out is the fact that he made us alive together with Christ by grace and he raised us up with him and seated, seated us with him in the heavenly places. True of us. We're already seated, amen? amen. Seated with whom? Christ. Where? On the, and that scripture makes it clear that Jesus is seated where? On the right hand of the Father. So that's where we're seated, Right? No, there's no catch. There's no catch. If you believe it, say amen. amen. You know, that's what the Bible calls the whole counsel of God. You read the whole thing. You see the, the kindness of God, and you see what? The severity. You see the mercy of God, you must understand the judgment of God. You see the fact that we are seated. Then you ask yourself, are we really seated? In Hebrew, say, we see this, but we, we do not yet see man. But we see Jesus. What was he trying to say there? This thing, he said, what is man that thou art mindful of him? You have put him in charge of all the, all, the, you know, all the works of your hand. He said, but we don't yet see with man, but we see with Jesus. That's what he said in the book of Hebrews. We'll get there in a moment if we, ha- if we have to read it today. But read another thing. Quickly, the book of Revelation. Quickly go to Revelation. Revelation chapter 3. We're, we're there earlier. I just want to go further down to a few verses. Revelation chapter 3. What is my preaching about? I'm calling people to severe Christianity. You like that expression? To what? Severe. severe. Very serious one. Intense Christianity. Because I've noticed that that's the only thing the Lord wants. He doesn't want those who put their hands on the plow and they look back. If you are looking for how you will use God to get what you want, forget it. Don't come again. Don't go to the church. I'm not talking about only here. Don't go anywhere again. Just go and live a useless life. Collect your life back from Christ. Because if you don't, he said, personally, I will vomit you up. So let's not risk it. Just go cold. He said, if you want to follow me, follow me totally. Caleb said, I follow the Lord my God fully. If you check it, the only people that made it, they left Egypt. The only people that made it into the promised land, they had to follow that principle of following God fully. Don't follow him halfway. You begin fully, you must complete it fully. Now I understand what Jesus was talking about. When he said, few are those that find it, that narrow is the road that leads to life. The gate that leads to life is very narrow, it's tight. He said, few people find it. Few people are walking that road. That is a matter of fact. The size of our cathedrals can't change that fact. What I'm calling everybody to is make sure you are amongst the few that have found that road. 
You're walking on that road, you want to pass through the gate. You know what it means for a gate to be straight? King James English. It means to be tight. That means it's not fully open. When you want to go in, you put your hand first. You will squeeze the shoulder in. You pass the body out. You get scratched a bit in the process. That's why I said to you earlier, forget your ambition. I discovered here the other day that this woman, Catherine Kuman, said one reason God could use her so well was simply because she had nothing to lose. That's a lesson for all of us. We have too many things that we are holding on to, something to lose if we obey him. And this interesting part, to find people who are really ready to lose everything for his sake, is hard for him. And I'm calling out again on his behalf, make sure you can be found. Revelation chapter 3. Now this is the church, the angel of the church in Laodicea. That's verse um, 14. But for time's sake, I won't read everything. I just want to get somewhere quickly. He said, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. Then I want to get down to, you know, we read up to verse, um, which verse? Okay, 17 earlier. He said, verse 18, I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich, that is truly rich. And white garments, you buy that from me also, so you may clothe yourself. And that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. And buy ourselves to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Now please notice verse 19, that's where I want to read from. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. Verse 21. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He was an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Two scriptures saying two different things. Look like they are contradicting themselves. One said, he granted us for us to sit what? With him in heavenly places. And the other one now saying that, he that overcomes, I will grant to sit. So which one do we like to now accept? Or which one should we now accept? They are saying basically the same you know, sitting arrangement. On the throne, on the right hand of the Father means that you know, right hand is a position of power. That's sitting on the Father's throne too. We are seated with him. That's what Ephesians said. Truffles. Now John is saying here, he was saying through John, that he who overcomes, I will grant to sit. See, there's some common sense, simple English interpretation of the Bible. No need to pretend as if these things are more complicated than they are. If he says... The one that overcomes will sit. It's simple logic. The one that does not overcome will not sit. Travels. Once I had a discussion with somebody. He said, Jesus said, I will not erase your name. The name of a believer can never be erased. I said, wait, wait, wait. How do you read your own English? Because I'll pro- use that scripture to prove that people's names can be erased. He said, no, Jesus said, I will not erase your name. I said, no, Jesus said, if you do what I have said, I will not erase your name. The simple logic principle there, principle of logic, is that if you don't do that, your name is gone. It's amazing how we reason when we want to believe something by force. Here, he says, he who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me. Just like the father said, I should come and sit. I think we can say clearly. Those who do not overcome will do what? Not sit. Please think about it very well. Because I think we'll continue from this particular point. That is, you must understand, when God gives promises, like I said earlier, Paul said, seeing that we have these promises, they are promises. You know, God says some things. He says to Abraham, a father of many nations, I have made you. When Isaac had not been born. I hope you're getting my point. Now, that was placed before Abraham. It was supposed to guide Abraham, direct Abraham, help Abraham be restricted in his movement, 
why God gives his promises first of all, he says where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. If you use in King James, you say people perish. Literally, what the Hebrew actually says, modern translators have shown it to us, is that where there is no vision, the people are what? Unrestrained. They do anyhow. For example, if you're an athlete, you know you can be, you know, people, they test athletes in between competitions. So it's not every drug the, the doctor gives you, you agree to swallow. But you know me, I'm not an athlete. Anything the doctor says take, I should take. Nobody's coming to test my blood for anything. But if you're an athlete, they give you a NASA drop, you check, ah, it contains this. I never can tell. When IWF will say, come and bring your urine sample. What if it's the week after I finish, and that thing will be in my blood for some days. Sorry. It's not even every body cream you can apply. Oh, yes, some medical creams you will have applied, you will apply. They contain anabolic steroids. You absorb them into your system. They come and test you one day. They say you are using performance enhancement drugs. They do not begin, no, I did not take it. It is doctor. But most of us here, do we care? Why? We don't have any vision of running in the finals of Olympics. We don't have any vision, African Cup of uh, anything. What's in concern us? The only thing we know about is to tune the television and see who ran. We are unrestrained because of lack of vision in that direction. That's what it means. So why God gives visions ahead of time is to restrain people. That's why he gives visions. For example, it may be, I'm not saying that's what happened, that when Mrs. Potiphar approached um, Joseph, suddenly an angel reminded him of the dreams. So he says, why would I do this and not achieve my dreams? I hope you're getting my point here. That is sin against God. Because he knew there's no way he could conge- he couldn't you know, decide. And let me tell you something. That's how your life is. Oh. There, you can't walk out where God is taking you to. You can't. You can have this. In fact, some of those your desires are joblessness desires. There's nothing else you are doing but dreaming. You wake up in the morning, no work. What do you do? You dream. You just dream. And it's good. You'll be planning jobless plans. 17 plans on how to make 2 million naira in 6 weeks. You don't have any other thing you are doing. If you are, the busier you are, the less plans you have. <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. So, don't say the, 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 the Holy Spirit revealed it to me. It didn't reveal anything to you. It's joblessness that revealed a lot of things to a lot of people. It doesn't mean you won't go far in life. Just that like you don't know how it, you don't know how it will happen. In fact, even Joseph, Mr. Joseph, <laughs> he, he was sleeping. He just dreamt of, he didn't even know the interpretation. So it's not like our own kind of dream. What we dream of, you know, Dangote has given us dreams. It's true now. <laughs> when, you, when you wake up, you know, you watch TV, you just see Dangote. You just be having dreams. It's an inspiration to you. You now write it down to, for God. This is how I'm going to do it. Because it does, it, spell your name. You see your name is, okay, Chuku, it's okay. Spell Dangote. Show me the similarity between your name and Dangote. So. <laughs> but the point I'm making, the most important is that you will go find life. Somebody say amen. amen. God will live to somewhere great. But you can't plan how he will do it. Even Joseph could not. Joseph, however, understood something, I believe. That whatever dream there is, if it really is a true dream, God is the one that will take me there. So along the line, this is a restraint. I must not do anything that would displease him. That's a restraint. That is a restraint. That is a restraint. The man of God came to Eli. He said, God gave you a vision, didn't he? He said, you and your house will be priests forever. Is that not so? That's what he told your fathers. He said, okay, let me give you another side to it. Now, far be it from him. Do you know why? He said, because whoever honors me, I will honor. What does that mean? Anytime God says to you, you'll be priests before me forever, he means you go and buy the book on how to honor God. I hope you're getting my point. The fact that you are going to be a priest forever does not mean I go and say, well, shake my hand now, you know, say, now we'll be the priest. There's nothing anybody can do about it. We're the priest. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. You are all privileged this morning to have me minister to you because the word of God came to me, said I will be the priest forever before him. All of you come and kiss my hand right now because you shall be kissing the hand of a priest. Because look at this joker. When I told you you are going to be a priest forever, you will have gone to the bookshop. How to honor God. They say, how much is that book? They tell you the price. Say, ah. 
That's half of my month's salary, but bring it. Second one beside it, how not to dishonor God? How much is that? Tell the price. Two of them, your whole month's salary is gone. So God, please give me 10% discount now. Say why? So I can eat. If you know you don't have money, why are you buying it? Because God has said to me, I am going to be a priest forever. And the implicit condition for being a priest is learn how to honor God. So instead of going around and saying, oh, you are, <laughs> you are privileged to have me minister to you this morning, you go, good morning, sir. Do you know anything about honoring God? That one of the things you want to teach. He said, no, you don't know. Uh-uh. Do you know anybody that knows? Ah, there's one prophet. He's in Abakaliki, and there's no road between and Abakaliki. You have to trek. Then you follow him. You go and cross your leg and sit down. Good morning, sir. We heard you walk with God for a hundred years. He said, we thank God. Can you tell us what pleases him? What displeases him? The man who brings you say, why are you doing all of this? He said, because a, a man of God came. He gave me the word of God that says that I will be a priest before him forever. He says, is that so? Yes, so. That is why we are learning how to honor God. And I tell you, you don't treat the sacrifices like this. Say, thank you, sir. This is how you handle the sacrifices. Amen. You take all the notes, you come home. Your most precious possessions are the books that teach how to honor God. You know why? That is the only condition upon which that promise will be fulfilled in your life. When God says, we are seated with him, that is the spiritual aspect. The practical aspect of sitting with him only comes into our lives as we become overcomers. That was what he meant. That he that overcomes, I will grant to sit. First of all, they are mine. So they are potentially able to sit. Then I will take them to the process of attaining the sitting position. I understand why we believe that. They told us every child of God is the same. I grew up and said it's not true. Some are seated. Some are still learning. I'll begin my point. How do they get to sit? It is simple. It is true what? Overcoming. Unfortunately, we taught our doctrines wrongly. We gave the impression to Christians that as they are, they are perfect. Anything they do now, it doesn't matter. Oh, my people, it matters. But I'm saying to believers again today, what God is doing, and what does it mean to sit? Let me quickly explain that. It simply means to be able to wield authority on somebody's behalf. I don't know what I get my point. Let me give an example. Joseph sat with Pharaoh. So what does that mean? In Egypt, his word was final. Jesus sat with the Father. What does that mean? Whatever the son says is final. I hope you're getting my point here. Yeah, that's what it means. That's what it means. To sit with somebody on his throne means that he delegates authority to you. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, nobody goes out or comes in except you say so. The Bible says that he imprisoned the princes at will. The word of Joseph was final in Egypt. You will go to Pharaoh and say, Joseph said this, he said this, he said it, that it is the law. He said, but sir, he will have to tell you, okay, go and meet Joseph. Beg him like this, like this, like that. I know Joseph will agree. That's the only thing he will be able to do for you. But he would not undermine Joseph's authority. Because he has said it himself. That's what it means to sit. And listen to this. What Jesus wants to do on the earth will only be, will only be done when he has people that can sit. When there are Elijahs that will stand and say, there will be no dew nor rain. The point I'm making, just because you claim to, you gave, you gave your life to Christ, it's not what gives that to you. That is what breaks for you the vision. For you to see, this is where we are going. We have to be restrained. And listen to me, you are going to be tested. You are going to be tried. There will be temptations. There will be hardships. Endure hardship, he said. Turn away from every form, every appearance of evil, he says. Flee youthful lust, he says. I hope you're getting my point here. All of these things, of course, some of the ones we talked about, you resist the division, return to your first love. You can go and go through that, those stories in um, Revelation. Everything he said in Revelation, let me just quickly give, give us to us again. One thing you say, see once in a while in that Revelation is this. He will say, he who has an ear, let him hear 
what the Spirit says to the churches. You know what that means? Everything written to one church, every individual Christian, not the church now, please listen to this. Each individual Christian will go and pay attention to what the Spirit is saying to each of those churches, all seven churches. So when it says, return to your first love, you will make sure that you have returned to your first love. You tolerate that woman, Jezebel, you ask yourself, which Jezebel am I tolerating in my life? He said, oh, you hate the deeds of the Nucleitans, which I also hate. He said, okay, good. I hope I hate the deeds of the Nucleitans. He talks about the error of Balaam. You make sure that you have, you keep yourself from the error of Balaam. I hope you're getting my point. He says to the church, like inside this, he said, oh, even though he said, I know of your poverty, and you think you are broke. And Jesus said, but you are rich. So realize that even though physically I appear broke, it does not mean I'm poor in reality. In the midst, and he says that you've been faithful. Now you are going to be tested 10 days. What that means is that if you face any temptation, no, it will not last forever, but you have a commandment to endure till the end, not to run away. He said, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to all the churches. Each Christian goes and marks the things that God hates, marks the things that he comments, marks the things that he said they should repent of, and you make sure you repent of all of them. Why? That is what is called what? Overcoming. And please, it does not mean to overcome the witches. I must add that one too. If you are still pursuing a witch, you are not saved yet. Did you hear what I said? Listen, let me give you one last instruction before we close. If your next prayer point includes witches who are after you, just know that you are sick and you need deliverance. Not the witch, oh. Apostle, where are you? Please, after service, you meet him. Say, please, I pray about witches. Deliver me. He will pray for you. What I'm saying to you, I'm not joking. The next time you pray against witches, you are begging for sickness. Oh. And look, 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 look. Listen, let me tell you what I'm going to tell you. One of my friends, that's what happened to him. I told the story before. One MFM pastor gathered him. Those of you who came from churches where they are telling your mother is a witch, you know you, look, listen, you know you are sick. If your mother is a witch, why have you not delivered her? Crazy person like you. Why are you looking at me like that? Your mother is not a witch. And if she were a witch, she can't do anything against you. If you, look, my friend, they went and said that he has to pray against all the spirits on his way to our nature. So he spent, is it three hours or six hours? I keep on forgetting. Let's even assume it's three hours. Well, it's not less than three, three hours. After that, he was sick for seven days. He thought he was going to die. He said, Pastor Banky, I won't lie to you. I was so sick, I thought I would die. What did Jesus say? You should have just gone on the way and just gone your way. There's nothing they can do to you. Let me warn you. If they say go to the village and go and, you know, I, I told you I'm not joking anymore. All the joking in my life in that area ended last year. This year I'm very, very serious. If I hear that you went to the village to go and deliver witches from the tree of your father's compound, all those witches you deliver from there, they will follow your car back to town. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. Every day you wake up, they're in your tire. Once you drive out of your house, your tires will be going down one after the other until you repent of insulting the Lord Jesus Christ like that. Let me say it to you again. In Christ Jesus, you have overcome. Amen. Don't let anybody make merchandise of your soul carrying you to go and break ancestral curses. Your grandmother is not the reason why you are not married. Those who never had grandmothers too did not marry on time. You ask me who did not have grandmother, I don't know, but you, 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 you get my point. It is forbidden for you. It is forbidden for you to think a human being is causing your problems. It is forbidden. Anytime I'm passing, that man will be looking at me like this. He's not seeing properly, he's trying to focus. Why are you making? The man is trying to focus to see who is coming. You think because of your home video mind, you think the man is casting spell. Please, God is looking for Christians who have gone beyond all these small, small play, play things. If you go to church, here tomorrow is Sunday. If they say today, every week just after you, just carry your bag and go outside. 
They say, why do you leave? He said, Pastor Bank is if I stay there, my problems will start. Let me just stay outside. They should be facing more serious things. Don't you see how we pray here? Don't you see how the people here lead prayers? Please, we say it's school of prayer. We teach how to pray. Have you ever heard us lead prayer and say, look, and I've been talking like this forever. If they could kill people, the witches, why am I still alive? Please tell your neighbor. I want to close. Tell, tell, turn to your neighbor. Say, stop that nonsense. Stop that nonsense. <laughs> For those of you that it applies to, receive your instruction. No? Talk to somebody. Say, don't you know that you are in Christ and your life is kept in him and there is nothing Satan can do about it? Say to the person, don't you know you are blessed? Your blessing is in Christ Jesus. Say, walk deeper with Christ. That's an instruction. Tell the person, walk deeper with Christ and you will unlock every blessing he has for you. This is people of God. I, I don't know we have to keep telling people this because every day people are always lying to them. People are always lying to people. Everybody has problems in life. It's nothing. Even Jesus had problems. He says, Ah, yes, Judas was a problem. I hope you are aware of that. Judas was a problem. When your disciples are always doubting what you are saying, you don't know it's a problem. They say, beware of the living of the Pharisee. He said, don't mind him. God did not take bread. You know, Jesus got angry. He was trying to teach serious spiritual insights. He said, beware of the living of the Pharisees. Peter and James look at each other and say, I told you, take bread. Look at what he's saying now. <laughs> because before they passed that place, one Pharisee's bread shop was there. And he told them, they thought that's what he was talking about. After, after, after preaching and preaching, they were still talking that kind of rubbish. Then Philip came one day and said, show us the father. He said, hey, yeah. <laughs> after all these days, you are still saying, show us the father. The day they came to arrest him, Peter brought out his sword, began fight. He said, Peter, Peter, how long have I told you this was going to happen? If I wanted deliverance, would not have asked the father for 12 legions of angels. Please put down your sword. So Jesus had problems so. He said, guys, let us pray. You know what they had? Let us sleep. <laughs> so you have a problem. It's not new. Let me say it again. There are three reasons why Christians have problems. One, ignorance. One of the things about the ignorance, let me say that one briefly, is that many times you think you have a problem, you don't even have a problem. That's part of the ignorance. Nothing, there's nothing that's come to you that's not common to people. Ignorance of the word of God is another reason. You don't even know what to fight for. You are praying prayers you're not supposed to pray. That's the problem. Second reason is what is called the trial of faith. You have to be proven. You can't just leave school tomorrow just because you want to buy a Bentley after two years. Then you just buy a Bentley. Are you the only person they are making Bentleys for? Won't you be proven and tested? Sometimes you say, I want to start a business. God says, no, no, no. Go and work for somebody who has started one. He said, no, I want to start by myself. God said, there's no problem. Just like it will take you 10 years to learn what you have learned from somebody else in three years. 10 years of losing money. In those 10 years, it's called the trial of your faith. If you want to learn from somebody, they will make you get to work at 7.30. You will not be able to go till 6. They will change your wages 10 times. It's still part of the training. It's trial of your faith. You will be broke a lot of times. God wants you to learn to manage money. And third reason why Christians have problems is called what? The just recompense of reward for disobedience. Maybe what you are doing is wrong. Go and learn the right way to do it. None of these reasons includes the witches who are after you. I hope you are getting my point. Ancestral curses are only activated by ancestral misbehavior. Please, I hope you get that point. That's really not part of my message. I just wanted to dismiss of that one. So I'm talking about those who are overcoming. We don't mean those who are fighting witches who are not fighting them. I hope you're getting my point. But all of us, this is the season for what? Overcomers. What are we overcoming? Let's go by it again. Temptations. Temptations are coming all kinds of forms and shapes. We know of the three temptations of Jesus. Those are not the only temptations. The people wanted to make him king. That was a temptation. Tell my brother... 
to divide the inheritance with me, it was a temptation. He said, who made me a judge and an arbiter over you? That was him resisting temptation. Peter came, said, none of this will happen to you. He had to resist that also. Some of the counsel people are going to give you is pure temptation. Pure temptation. You are somewhere, you are struggling, you are doing what you believe that you should be doing in this season. They say, no, ah, I've gotten you a visa. You just go to Canada. The place is very cold. There's no trouble. Your problems will freeze. <laughs> then you will begin to prosper. They did not tell you that your destiny is about to freeze. Sometimes you have to resist such temptations. Abnormal relocation is a temptation. I'm telling you, Demas has departed from me. I hope you're getting what I'm saying here. God came to Adam. Where are you? Where you are matters to him. Where you are matters to him. Don't just go anywhere you like. Just get on the morning. This place is colder. This place is warmer. Just get up and go. He will get to where he placed you and ask you a simple question. Where are you? You will have to answer him from there. I am here. He said, why are you there? He said, where you kept me? I was naked. So I found where there was bush. There are temptations every day. Mrs. Potiphar was a temptation to Joseph. How was she a temptation? To occupy a position God had not given to to him. In the house of Potiphar, he had control of everything. But any time God gives you positions like that, he leaves something above you. Go and check the scriptures. Even Jesus, subject to the father. Joseph, subject to Pharaoh. In the house of Potiphar, he was subject to Potiphar. Mrs. Potiphar said, let us wipe out that one. That was the principle. I will ascribe, he said, I will climb above the mountains of God. I will be like the most high. That was his temptation. He had to resist that. They are going to kick you out of a city. And your disciples will decide to burn up the city. That's Jesus resisted temptation every time. The last one was even a personal temptation. When I say personal, nobody was outside pushing him. It was when he saw what he had to do. So he said, Father, if it's possible, let this call pass over me. Say, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That is overcoming. If overcoming was sweet, everybody would be overcoming. I hope you're getting my point. The process of overcoming is not sweet. I've seen people come to me before and say, Sir, my friends are saying I should come and get this job here. Good paying jobs, fantastically paying jobs. But he said, I think for now, I have located for myself where God wants me to be. And the money is ending now up to a quarter of what his friends were offering. So he said to me, please let me talk to them to stop. I'm not complaining. I like where I am. One of the things we Christians must learn, let money stop pushing us up and down. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of things which he possesses. We have to overcome the world, the temptations of the world. That's what they call overcoming. There's those who have overcome that he grants to sit with him on his throne. Let's bow down our heads. Let's give the Lord thanks.